Back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and if we didn't already get a DMCA takedown notice the other week, maybe I'd play the Monster Mash right now, because uh, it's Godzilla time, baby. Enter the Monster Verse, and joining us this week, we've got as always Adam Myros. Uh, so, what is the name of the uh, the Universal Monster Verse? Because you would assume that would be called the Monster Verse. Oh, the one with like the the Tom Cruise mummy. Yeah, don't both both monster verses, if you will, uh, have Charles dance for some reason. <laughs> We've got dueling monster verses. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Holy shit! Is that just called the Universal Monster Verse? Then I, I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jack, do you know what's going on with that? I th- wasn't it like the Dark Universe or something? I, th- I think Dark was in there. Somewhere. Oh yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, but it, it didn't <laughs> the matter because they killed universe. it immediately. <laughs> Why does everything have to be a fucking universe? Uh, I don't know. Colin's here, too. Colin, glad to have you back, man. Hey, you know, it is the dark universe. I didn't want to jump in on anybody because we are going to be talking over each other a lot during this show. Because trying to explain exactly. what we saw and what arguably other people saw, the most that anyone has seen this year, right? This is the top grossing film of the year. Not that that's a big achievement considering the COVID era, but uh, $36 million. Big deal. I think it's the top grossing film of the pandemic. Whoa. Wow. Like, as far as a single weekend. Oh, suck it, tenant. Can we attribute <laughs> this to the film just being, and the marketing just being so excellent? Or is it um, pandemic fatigue? Or is it that everyone just finally got their fucking vaccines? I think it's pretty much everything. Also, if you're going to see something on the big screen, it's not going to be, I mean, maybe it's going to be Mortal Kombat. I know I'm going to go to the, the theater for that one. But, I mean, if, if you're going to risk COVID... Or if you got your vaccine and you want a big first movie to go see, I guess the giant monkey, giant lizard on the big screen, that makes sense. So probably that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we, we watched the, the MonsterVerse and I, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little dumbfounded. Like I, I remember years ago when I saw the, the first Godzilla, the, the 2014 one, <laughs> the first Godzilla, and <laughs> It, it just sort of like it just sort of washed over me and I, I didn't have many strong feelings about it. And then I know the 2019 one, I was like, man, this is a fucking mess. And it's just like I, I, they're just continuously like pushing the, the sensory overload on me. And I think if they make another <laughs> one of these, my brain's actually going to melt out of my ears. Uh, but before before we talk about the actual movies, uh, I did want to talk about how the fuck we got ourselves a monster verse in the first place, because everything has to be a universe now people we, we all used to complain oh no all they do is remakes and sequels why why is this i hate the remakes and the se-. no we've got a new thing to hate and it's a universe everything is in a universe everything is interconnected marvel has destroyed all of our minds into thinking that everything has to be together under one umbrella and the monster verse is the brainchild of billionaire thomas tall jack you big thomas tall fan yeah sure <laughs> better be careful what you're saying yeah you <laughs> i'm a fan of all billionaires they work very hard 
<laughs> if I ever ask you if you're a fan of a billionaire, this the safe answer is no. Um, so he's he's the CEO of Legendary Entertainment. Oh. And uh, you may be asking yourself, how how did the the son of a of a single mother slash dental hygienist, uh, how did he become a billionaire? And the answer is, he became a lawyer, and after he got his lawyer money. Uh, he got rich by starting a chain of laundromats, okay? Now, that might seem like a weird way to get rich, wouldn't it? But yeah. here's the kind of guy Thomas Tull is. He's the kind of guy where he got loaded off of laundromats because he invented a system wherein the laundry machines would, would charge significantly more during peak hours. So he would basically plop these chains into uh, working class or impoverished neighborhoods, uh, pretty much be the only game in town when it came to doing your laundry. You know, he would make sure that they were in areas where people didn't have other options. And then normal times, whether that would be like a Saturday afternoon or, you know, weekday after five o'clock, he would crank up the prices two, three times. Uh, and then he made millions that way. And from there, he started investing, became a film producer. So. I, I just, I love it. It's thematic. It's thematic. Uh, let's talk to our younger listeners. Imagine, if you will, uh, a man uh, who's like Godzilla and, and Godzilla and King Kong stomping on people. That's what he was like. And that's how he got rich. That's what you have to do, too. Yeah. I, th I thought we were talking about it being <laughs> thematic, that it's more like King of the Monsters is like trying to focus on something in a dryer. Uh, like just spinning endlessly because <laughs> that's, that's the connection I'm drawing. See, I just want to know if he took advantage of the margins enough to also increase the uh, price of the arcade machines in said laundromat. Mm, and was there a Rampage arcade machine in the laundromat? And that's where he <laughs> had the idea for a monster verse. Steve, you have to wonder, did he have vending machines in the laundromat? And if so, did they vend from the Coca-Cola or the Pepsi universe of soft drink? <laughs> mm, very true and more importantly did he uh did he charge like an extra 25 cents for diet coke but like the orange crush came in a little bit lower like if you want an orange crush it's only 80 cents because you know that one was always piling up for him i do have one question that's actually related to what you were just talking about uh not the movie whatsoever but the soda crush um do you remember there was uh if you go to taco john's sometimes they would have dr crush and it's just like Dr. Pepper and Crush. It even had its own little logo. Like it was official. The fuck was that? I have no idea what that is. So my familiarity with Taco <laughs> John's is I moved to Wisconsin eight years ago. And I know there's one in like Waukesha. That's there's about one, it. There's one, baby. Um, and they sell potatoes called Potatoes Olay. And that's fun because it's Taco John's, folks. And everybody wants the Potatoes Olay. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea, but that's fucked up. If you're mixing orange soda and Dr. Pepper, you're some kind of monster. You're some kind of Thomas Tull, if you will. Anyways, Thomas Tull, Legendary Entertainment, decided that he uh, he really wanted to uh, create all these these movies within a monster verse that, of course, included King Kong. And uh, so he could build a giant Marvel-esque franchise around Godzilla. There already was one. I mean, King Kong, like, he, he didn't invent anything. They've already done this. Toho did this. He just redid it. Everyone has done, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, if you like the lesser known 80s uh, Heisei era of Toho, very literally did uh, a strong connected universe of films that, uh, yeah, it, it kind of set a blueprint in a lot of ways for where Hollywood went. So, uh, you know, I kind of wish that. We could retroactively go back and stop it from ever happening. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's that's too bad. Thomas Tall actually invented anything. Nerd so culture lesson, was yeah, lesson bad. number two is uh, when Thomas Tall isn't doing his, his standard issue exploitation, he's uh, going back into time and he's uh, he's stealing ideas from minorities and he's claiming them as his own. So, um, just like James Cameron. Thomas Tall, great guy. Anyways, we get, we get to the first we get to the first Godzilla in the new monster verse. And who do they tap for this, you know, big American reboot of uh, the classic franchise Godzilla? Uh, none other than Gareth Edwards, who was known for making the movie. I think it was just called Monsters, right? Yes, correct. And it's the uh, it's the kaiju movie where you, it's kind of, it's called Monsters, but you don't see the monsters. You just kind of see people reacting to monsters. And he made it for like $12 or something, and everybody went, ooh. Yeah, it's just like a really heavy-handed like immigration allegory that's not very good. Mm-hmm. But, but impressive. And, and it's it's you also, know. it's, it's kind of like a, it's a demo reel, basically. It's a, it's a look what I can do. And so then he gets hired for Godzilla, which I'm guessing was the whole point of uh, making monsters. And wouldn't you know, the guy who made the the melancholy kaiju movie where you don't show the monster makes a Godzilla movie that's extremely melancholy where he refuses to show us the monster. Jack, what the fuck? I hate this movie. Um, it yes. is just <laughs> yes. yeah. Someone, someone uh, complaining to me about not liking this movie said that it's like you know stupid people like myself don't you know can't appreciate a Godzilla mm. movie that just shows the ankle <laughs> was his exact phrase. And it occurred to me, this isn't just a movie that just shows the ankle. It's not like he's dodging around a Godzilla the monster. This is like a Godzilla movie that just shows the ankle of being a Godzilla movie. Like, there's almost nothing in this that's about Godzilla. Like, it's just, it's one of these movies that is, like, incredibly frustrating because it's one of those films that you can kind of figure out, I think, what Gareth Edwards was going for, which is that when Godzilla pops out of the ocean, stupid human stuff doesn't matter that much. Fair enough. But he Mm. tries to read this by doing things like downplaying the humans making the main character who i still don't even know who the main guy is i just call him area man he's just a white dude and then his dad is brian (laughs) cranston and his mom is juliette binoche they both die like juliette binoche dies like five minutes in brian cranston lasts like 40 minutes or so they both die his wife is elizabeth olsen who frankly is barely in the picture um, and should have been swapped because she just be like she's more interesting than Area Man. But in any case, the whole concept mm. seems to be you know like all these people die, like recognizable stars. The you know none of the things you would expect to happen happen because the humans don't really matter. And it's like that's cool and everything, but we're still staring at them for like an hour and fifty minutes out of this two hour plus long yeah. movie. So yeah, and it's all and all, you're staring at them, but everything's so dark. It's the whole thing is at night. It's like just. An insanely difficult it's just a murky creeping nothingness of a film so um yeah i'm not a, not a fan of this one uh if you could tell yeah so i i, I don't know I, I wouldn't say i'm conflicted on this movie because i i don't like it i get it i get what he's doing i get the humanity is insignificant i get the melancholy tone i get how he's trying to match uh, more more of the seriousness of the original godzilla movie if you could say that um but at the same time, while you're telling me that humanity is, in, is insignificant, at least half to three fourths of the movie is deeply focused on 
whatever the, the, the main character's name. He's got a stupid, his name's like Ford Bronco or something. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, but he's played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. I swear to God, his name is like Ford Bronco. I, I just called it, I started calling him Forrest Gump about halfway through the fucking movie. <laughs> See, it's something, we're, we're close, we're getting My there. My name is 1993 the, the, Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just kept ending up in, in every uh, significant event in the entire uh, Godzilla emergence. <laughs> he was just there, like Forrest Gump. I was like, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah he's there, and <laughs> exactly. then like twice, in, on two separate occasions in this movie, in this movie that's about how human suffering doesn't matter in the, in the wake of the terror of Godzilla, on two separate occasions they have to just grab a random child to remind us that oh. like a marauding monster would be like bad and stuff it's just painful yeah but also <laughs> let's the, the human beings i just want to touch this real quick when brian cranston in that film spoiler alert dies the film dies there's no coming back from that because he was the emotional arc he was the person we were rooting for. We wanted to see him redeem himself, and he didn't. Well, that's that's the best that's the best part of this movie. There's no arc. <laughs> it's like the first forty minutes. <laughs> there is yeah. no arc. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of intriguing for that forty minutes, and then yes, you know, at the exact same time that Brian Cranston dies, this uh, Muto thing is born, and that is also a, a tremendous problem with the movie, to my eyes. It's, it's just not very bad. Like, why isn't it just Godzilla? Like, yes. Why Why didn't Godzilla just show up and kill Brian Cranston? What the yes. fuck do we need all this other shit involved? Godzilla for? is not your fucking friend. Godzilla will kill everything. He doesn't fucking care. Like, I don't understand why that need to be communicated in this dismal, bleak film that used, like, you know, Oppenheimer's speech in the fucking trailer. I think I think probably because it would be like, I think maybe they wanted to they wanted to spice things up a little bit because I, I mean the whole thing is like it's compromise it's like it's not about it like it reminds me of like the 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 grudge American remake and I'm always like think about like the grudge oh. the Japanese movie is about how like you know the curse it doesn't matter who you are rich poor famous man woman whatever you know the grudge kills you and it just like passes from person to person it kills everyone and then like a Japanese version of the movie is like it, there's there are some celebrities in Japan in it, but they kind of like they disappear pretty quickly. They just die with everyone else. And then the American one, yeah. it's, it's Sarah Michelle Gellar through the whole movie because she's a star and they have to have that. It's, it's mm -hmm. the same conflicted element in this Godzilla that it's like human beings don't matter. But also this is an American movie. So, you know, let's we, we got to have our people. We got to have our script writers. You know, we have to have our accessibility points. We have to, you know, get all the usual stuff in. So it's. It's one of these just frustratingly traditional films that thinks it that's trying to do something untraditional, trying to comment on a limitation of Hollywood cinema while basically doing all of the same stuff, but badly because it keeps tripping itself up. Um, but I was I was also thinking that mm -hmm. maybe that you know they they added in the Muto as like spice, but also I figure if they just had Godzilla and it was really downbeat, it would just be like the return of Godzilla, the like eighty four reboot. Because that's pretty much what they just Absolutely. did. Absolutely, like Godzilla showed up. Much better movie. Yeah, <laughs> much well, better. Obviously, Jesus, there's there's police academies that are better than this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Citizens on patrol. They're on a mission to Moscow, baby. <laughs> it just it felt like it was close to doing something for like forty minutes. I'm like, oh, this setting this in yeah. Japan. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, they're they're tying back in nuclear energy. Oh, that's something. Oh, look, they're using these, like, older stately actors. Oh, this this could be something more interesting. And then it just kind of, like, chucks it all out the fucking window. 
Yeah. Uh, I just want to open this up to the room and have this discussion right now. King Kong is one thing because King Kong is a creature that we take and we, you know, we capture and bring him back to our country. You know, that's a very relatable subject as an American. Uh, uh, Jack, you brought this up previous to the show. The concept of Godzilla fundamentally does not function in America. And I want to just open up that discussion to the room because I was thinking a lot about that. And it's because Americans have to win versus the Japanese audience, which would understand the concept of survival. I just don't think Americans fucking get that. So trying to communicate this movie, which I don't know, could be about any Godzilla has to represent something. And it just I don't know. He's just a fucking lizard in these American movies. Right. Yeah. He's he's a big monster. It was interesting. I watched uh, in the run of this. I watched the, the Roland Emmerich 98 version. And it really is. It's literally just a dinosaur. Like It's just a big lizard. He eats fish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no um, purpose. <laughs> yeah, because because it it, it uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of being swung over to this that honestly these aren't Godzilla movies. When Americans or when non-Japanese people are making the films, they're not Godzilla because they can't because thematically the resonance of Godzilla is, I mean, God, what is Godzilla? He's he's kind of like the open wound of an of a nation scarred by an atomic attack. And America dropped the bombs. And whether or not you want to get into the politics of whether or not America was right or wrong to drop the bombs, etc., it's not the same thing. It's weird when America comes back. And by the time we get to the later movies, I mean, there's how many nuclear devices are detonated in these four movies? Like, tons. <laughs> hey, uh, dude, it's fucking Ken Watanabe. He's just like, what if I just nuke myself? That's the only way to win. Like, it's insane. The only way to help America is to nuke myself. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, the problem is that you want to take this seriously and you want to approach it the way the first Godzilla did. I mean, even if you don't look at it as like Godzilla embodying like American evil, which it, it certainly does in some Godzilla iterations and it could be argued in all to some extent. But what what I would say is it, nothing replaces it here. You, you, <laughs> like... Godzilla could be a stand-in and is a stand-in for, you know, sort of the, the horrors of war, for fear about advancing technology and the application of that and science. And there is so much to it that is, if you're going to make this serious, slow look at Godzilla, what the fuck is the theme of Godzilla 2014? What does he represent? Uh. I'll tell you what it is. It represents Aaron Taylor Jar jo uh, Johnson, who plays uh, Sergeant uh, Ford Bronco, and he misses <laughs> he misses his boy. It's about it's about missing your boy. It's about being a, a bomb guy, and and you tell everyone that you, you're like I'm in the army. I'm a bomb guy. It's me, bomb guy. Remember, remember, you gotta help me get home to San Francisco. I'm the bomb guy, and then you finally get to the part in the movie where you get to be the bomb guy, Sergeant Ford Bronco. <laughs> and the one thing you can't do, the one thing you cannot do, is di like dismantle and disarm a bomb. You, you can't do it. <laughs> it's so it's a build up to a hilarious joke in an otherwise very like dire downbeat film. <laughs> I, I just was thinking about making. Have you guys seen that uh, TV show? I think it was it's an original TV show called uh, Handmaid's Tales. Um, I'm thinking about doing that. But for guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hand, Handmaid's Tale for the boys. That's I, mean, what I haven't we need. figured it out, but like <laughs> clearly it's popular. And there's a lot of guys out there, so we should just make it here. We could just make it here. We'll make it better. 
Because we yeah. know. We get so, it. So, yeah. <laughs> 2014 Godzilla. A couple of dudes in red robes, like, just rocking out with, like, Van Halen's Hot for Teacher playing. It would be... They get it. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Ass. We did it good, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this movie is to me, because the, I, I am very insistent on this. Godzilla <laughs> must represent climate change. That is the most like, and I seen that's like, where the fuck did that come from? I get it, but I really thought about this all week. Like, what is the greatest threat? What is the thing that scares people the most about the future? In like the terms of like what Godzilla would be, which would be like, I guess natural disasters at this point because they always show the destruction afterwards. And I, you know, when I when I see something like um, the the forest fires on on TV, I just I don't know. I connect it there. What they try to do in these movies is they try to make him a hero. And they try to make him have a personality, and yet they want him to be a force of nature. It's just, it's a lot of conflicting things because who is Godzilla's enemy? And they're just like, well, any other Titan. Well, that's convenient. Like, why does Godzilla know the rules to that? Like, why does Godzilla care? He's a dumb lizard. <laughs> there, there's fundamental, like, disconnects in this. Like, well, one of the th running themes throughout this is the organization Monarch, which is essentially, uh, which is a secret team that's, you know, monitors the Titans, etc. within the world of the movie. But it's also, like, a completely fictitious, absurdist anomaly in reality <laughs> in that it's essentially a military-industrial complex offshoot that is obscenely well-funded and full of people who aren't looking to weaponize anything. It's in like, <laughs> yeah. so we have all these, so they're all heroes, but they're all like noble doctors doing the, you know, trying to do the best, but getting all of the like absolute top dollar funding and full military backup to do whatever, just based on whenever someone says like, we need to bring him to Antarctica. And it's like, just someone says, and like the military's like, well, okay, let's just make that happen. And it's like, this is nothing works like this. So yeah, when you talk about like, if Godzilla represents some like climate change within these movies, you know, they're always aiding Godzilla or moving around Godzilla. The military-industrial complex is constantly aiding him or trying to move around him to kind of clear <laughs> the path for him. Whereas, I mean, in any real-world scenario, and I don't think you have to be too cynical to look at this, the U.S. military is not going to save us from climate change. No. If anything, you know, they're the world's number one polluter. How would this even function? See, it sounds like I might have a movie for you guys. It's called Godzilla, King of the Monsters, wherein <laughs> Godzilla may no. well represent climate it's called, change. It's called Godzilla. Godzilla, King of the Monsters is the American cut, sir. Although I would still recommend it because otherwise, how are you going to understand Godzilla 1985? Because, of course, Raymond Burr returns again. Did, wait, no, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, like King of the Monsters is the remake, is the American recut of the original 50s Godzilla, not the 80s one. That's just called Godzilla 85. But if you watch yes. the American cut, he comes back. They bring Raymond Burr uh, back. Oh, yeah, sure. And okay. it, is well. <laughs> <laughs> it is not good. Well, ready. it was not good He's in the old. first one either. So. There's a consistency <laughs> yeah. to that that we have to admire. Wait, why, what is it about Americans that we still, I mean, I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe a prescient discussion to be like, well, we know that Asia likes to make movies. Very enjoyable. We like the Parasite. We're gonna fix them. We're gonna have them come over here and tinker a little bit, and they add really nothing. And I don't know if anyone really likes it when they do this kind of stuff. I don't know of any like MonsterVerse fans. I don't know anyone. Like I know Marvel fans. I know people that are like I love DC. A lot of different fan bases out there. No one cares about this, and yet everyone's 
Bermuda. There's a few. There's a, yeah. There's a few like just yeah isolated people who seem to be like vocal proponents of at least Godzilla 2014, the Garth Edwards one. They seem to like the the atmosphere Pain? and the dark of it. I guess I don't know what they would like. Like I mean, I'm just watched. I watched that movie and it's like my brain was just like trying to find the nearest exit for the whole thing. It's just, <laughs> awful but yeah that one kind of has there's a few people who've latched onto it i feel you know kind of feel that it's like some kind of a you know a different breed of blockbuster but yeah you're right i mean i don't know anyone who's like man i love the monster first <laughs> movies i can't wait for the next one like i just i've never met that person i've never heard from them. i know people who watch them and they're like they're fine that's it yeah they're just there's no there's no connective tissue between them almost. Like, if you're a big fan of Godzilla 2014, then why the fuck would you be a big fan of Kong Skull Island? They're not, like, remotely similar in tone or content. Really. I, other than a big <laughs> monster. No, I, I don't think they could be further from each other. <laughs> yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Well, and then... And that's the bizarre thing, too, because, you know, you, you kind of... You set this tone with Godzilla 2014 you go okay this is the direction they're going to go in it's going to be really like downbeat and and miserable and and just kind of <laughs> dire and shit yep. and then they all of a sudden do an about face and the next movie that comes along in the monster verse if i'm not mistaken is Kong Skull Island right that came before King of the Monsters by yep. predated by what like 2 years and Kong Skull Island is the goofiest shit ever it is essentially like it reminds me of um like 80s directed video uh like like vietnam movies like shit that like oh, red yeah. brown would star in and it, and it's just like just cornball vietnam movies where you know war is hell and we have a colonel kurtz stand in and they're like okay so we're gonna do that but you've got you know a 200 million dollar budget and also uh, there's a big monkey. Like, that's what it is. It really feels like an 80s DTV movie to me. I, I just, I don't... <laughs> in a good way. This is probably yes. my favorite in the entire MonsterVerse. Oh, but it's it is so, like, totally different. But I think people really, like... I, I feel like we're on, like, an island here. I feel like we're <laughs> we're on the... Ho we're in the hollow earth and everyone else is, <laughs> is up above us because everyone seems to like 2014 Godzilla and then everyone universally hates the Kong Skull Island one, but that, that seems like the fillet to me. Wait, are yeah. you kidding me? Is that true? No way. I refuse to believe that. That's the general How? consensus. I used, to, I used to be down on Skull Island because Skull Island was the only one of these I'd seen what? prior. Actually, I, I saw it on I saw it in cinema, and like even when I say I used to be down, on like, I, I came. He eats people. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> I, I went to it on a work trip, right? So the my literally the only oh. the only thing that brought me that brought me to a cinema to watch one of these movies was that my alternative at one point was going to work, and I watched it. <laughs> and it was fine. It was like I walked out of thinking like that is an absolutely like quintessential five out of ten kind of movie. Like it's fine. It has some stuff. It works. Okay. Uh, you know, it didn't yeah. it didn't really move me that much. But honestly, rewatching it again and certainly rewatching it around Godzilla twenty fourteen and King of the Monsters. Yeah, this thing is absolutely, this is the only movie that has a pulse and that seems to deliver on anything you might think an audience might want to see. It's confusing at certain points. I still don't particularly know why it's <laughs> Vietnam based, but you know, whatever. You know, they paid for the rights for all the music that you would expect in the Vietnam movie. And then Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> is just being an asshole. Fair enough. You know, it, it works. It's the only one of the yeah. movies that really 
actually kind of travels through a story arc in a competent way where like the time passes evenly you know whereas all the other ones even <laughs> in my kindest words about the movie, others it's, yeah it's astonishing no, th- there are actors in this movie that are given things to do and the funny thing is in all these movies and you know talk about with any of them the cast is amazing in every single yeah. one of these movies and yet they're given shit they're given absolute shit the only well, one maybe actually... not the new one so much i, I feel <laughs> like they pared down on the cast budget for this new movie. yeah the cast <laughs> no i think everyone on uh king kong versus godzilla were, were really good especially the conspiracy theory guy because i thought that was really excellent casting well they're not like famous i mean i mean they're no. famous but they're not as famous you, you know you're not getting the big names it's not like people are like oh yes rebecca hall the titular vicky from vicky christina Bar- <laughs> barcelona yeah but elizabeth olsen wasn't or whatever her name is is it elizabeth olsen the youngest one Oh yeah, yeah. She wasn't famous no, she, back then. But she's in. She's in King of the Monsters. She's not in. She's not in. We're saying the new one. She uh, was Congress in Godzilla, Godzilla. twenty fourteen. Elizabeth Olsen. She was the wife of Area Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, his name is Ford Bronco. Sure, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. No. One of the things that did strike me about Skull Island, though, uh, watching Skull Island in cinema, is that when I watched it again, literally, I'd actually forgotten that Tom Hiddleston and. Uh, whatever Captain Marvel are in it. Her name has escaped me. Brie something or other. Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Larson, that's it. I <laughs> yeah, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah. I'm like, it's not an Olsen. It's something else. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's really John... This is the John C. Riley Samuel Jackson show, and they do pretty oh, damn sure. well with it. And yeah, and it's it's kind of... this. Like I say, this is the only movie that like kind of move steadily along throughout. Like even as kind as I could be to like say, you know... Godzilla versus Kong. It's like a movie that just stops dead for long periods. Mm. Uh, this one, yeah, it, it kind of works. It looks like a masterpiece compared to the other three, frankly. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting visual film. They bother with characterization as rudimentary as it needs to be. It's got great actors. It's fun. It's not, yeah, it's not some incredible thing, but. Yeah. No. The action is visible. You can see things happen on screen in daylight. Um, yeah. I want yeah, to hear from the biggest defender of this film, Stephen. I want to know exactly why you like this movie so much because I will say the reason I like this movie is because Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was at the Samuel Jackson uh, the other day meeting up with all the Samuel else, and uh, <laughs> they were pretty good. Um, but he hates that fucking monkey. And he shows it, and I just think it's fucking hilarious, <laughs> you know? I don't know. So there's there's two key reasons why this movie kicks ass, and this is this is all you need for the elevator pitch, is just if I were to tell you that, uh, hey, there's a movie where uh, Samuel L. Jackson napalms a, like a 140-foot-tall monkey, uh, you're in. You're in. You're bought <laughs> you in fully. you don't feel bad. The other thing that I like about this is... Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston, you will not find two people on screen with less chemistry, but they just kind of own it. They just kind you like see you see them as actors and as characters, except the fact that they're supposed to want to fuck, but it's just not happening. <laughs> I like that. And then finally, and this this really drove it home for me. There's this kind of like side character that sh- that the movie leads you to believe is going to be important in some sort of like really meaningful <laughs> way. Okay. And his whole thing is like, he's, he's on the, the battleship and they're trying to get out of Vietnam or whatever. 
And he's right. He's writing his son a letter. Dear Billy, I will play baseball with you when I get home and we'll watch fucking Lawrence Welk or whatever you do in 1974. I don't know what you do. Uh, racism, I but, think. But it's this whole thing. Yeah, you do. You do racism. We'll make them mind us. Make them. So anyways, you he, he does this whole thing. And you think that it's that he's going to like there's going to be this whole like, oh, he's got to get home to his boy. And you think this is going to be an essential cog in, in the Skull Island machine when, in fact, he just gets separated when all their helicopters crash and then he gets eaten by a lizard. And it's it's fucking great because you think this dear Billy bullshit is mm-hmm. going to keep going and they're going to try and like pull at your little heartstrings with it. it's like, no, he gets eaten by a lizard. And the only the only thing that it serves to do is it's what drives Samuel L. Jackson. He's like, we got to save the dear Billy guy and we got to get him and I'm not going to stop until that monkey's dead and we got dear Billy back. And he goes on and on and on about it. And everybody else is like, you got to fucking relax, man. We don't we don't really care about this guy, which is good because that's how you feel as an audience. You're like, I hated the dear Billy guy. It was great when he got eaten by a lizard. So when Samuel L. Jackson is going nuts trying to, you know, convince them to murder King Kong for dear Billy, man, you're like, no. So it's it's like it's perfect. It's, it's so good. well done. And this movie, it's so goddamn stupid. Yeah. But it's it's smart in the way that it's stupid. And I respect it. It's like immensely. Saving Private Ryan if they spent the entirety of Saving Private Ryan just kind of like <laughs> negotiating whether or not they give a shit. <laughs> yeah, except there you go. <laughs> oh, come on. It, it, it's got John C. Riley and John Goodman. I mean, what are you going to complain about? This movie, it's a good time. Yeah. It is. It is. And they're smart enough to keep these these people alive for like significant portions of the runtime. This is not a Godzilla 2014 where you're like, well, uh, I've got Brian Cranston and Juliette Binoche and I'm going to like put a bullet in Binoche's brain by minute 17. Cranston's going to barely creak over the 30 minute mark. Fuck it. No. Why would you do that? You don't, you don't just kill off your best assets like that for no reason. You see, arguably, again, it's like in Godzilla, it feels like it's like, you know, oh, look, the people don't matter. But what's funny is Skull Island has a better joke kind of delivery of that, too, because the very close you have one of the great uh, sacri- heroic sacrifices with the dude with all the grenades who just, like, pulls out mm-hmm. all his grenades and he stands up and he's like, you go on, I'll take care of this. And he's like, he's gonna go to his death. Yeah. And then the big monster just <laughs> slaps him with his tail and he fires it inside of a mountain and explodes and it's a meaningless <laughs> death. And that's, that's Godzilla 2014 condensed into 10 seconds that's funny. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's a better movie in and 10 And more effective. Seconds. Yeah. Much more effective. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is the filet, baby. You have to accept <laughs> the fact that we don't give a shit about the fucking humans. Everyone is vulnerable. Shit's going to explode. People are going to die. You need to be in on this. If you were in for the heart, it's not going to happen. If you're here for the explosions, that's cool because everybody's an asshole. <laughs> like you're not rooting for anyone. And it works because it's enthusiastic. It, it just like, it sets that premise so perfectly and just delivers, delivers, delivers. Should we talk about King Kong versus Godzilla now? Because <laughs> we didn't talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> the King of the Monsters, man. We got to talk about the King of the Monsters. I tried We're to pivot to, to its clumsy environmental message earlier. And you guys, for some reason, thought I was talking about a 60-year-old recut with Raymond Burr. But <laughs> <laughs> by, by you guys, I think That's you mean exactly one person on this podcast. <laughs> 
Listen, listen, let me let me tell you why Godzilla King of the Monsters in in a series of very stupid movies, uh, many of which are not very good. uh, This one is the high the the high point or maybe it's a low point of stupidity. And like it is the absolute worst. The fact that there are people out there who in 2019 were like, yes, this is a good thing that I enjoy. That blows my fucking mind. (laughs) And. Just to tell you how goddamn stupid this movie is, it's got this whole, like, weird, fashy, eco-terrorist backdrop wherein Millie Bobby Brown's mom, who's played by, uh, oh, Vera God, Farmiga. what is her name? Yeah, Vera Farmiga. Uh, she decides that the only way to save humans from themselves is to do cool eco-terrorist shit and release all the monsters, all all the kaiju action, uh, to, I don't know, reset the balance. But wouldn't you know, the big guy, King Ghidorah, he is, uh, he's a space alien monster. He's not one of the OG monsters. So that kind of ruins her little uh, mental math for, for her genocide. And the way we figure this out, and this is fucking brilliant. By brilliant, I mean, I, I, my jaw was on the floor. There's a point where they're flying around in, in their Godzilla fighting ship, And one of the women on the ship is like, oh, there is an ancient Chinese story about a three headed dragon and blah, blah. And she basically just Googles uh, the old king here and brings up all this shit. And they're like, oh, okay, so, yeah, he's not from this world, blah, blah, blah. And Vera, she she commits genocide. She releases all of these monsters on the world because she couldn't do like a three second Google search and Wikipedia read to make sure that what she was doing was like uh, aligned with with history and, and what we know in this universe. Literally, this, this person on a plane Googles the fucking monster that they're fighting and that's how they get information about it. There's two things I like about that because first off, also, she's kind of right, because like, by the end of it all, it turns out they did have to have all the monsters to restore balance. Like, the, the, the monsters being everywhere released radioactation or radiation that, like, causes growth mm-hmm. and things. So it turns out, actually, she's yeah. kind of right. And then secondly, I thought it was really funny, because they they're, they're trying to, like, downplay the fact that they are clearly trying to just throw King Ghidorah's stats out there through a Google search by talking about how, like, ancient civilizations didn't seem to want to even talk about him. And it just makes him sound like they tried to, like, cancel culture, came for Ghidorah back in, like, 600 <laughs> BC. Ghidorah's cancelled. <laughs> it's really <laughs> awkward. This movie <sighs> is... Uh, I, yeah. I would... I prefer this to Godzilla 2014, purely on the technicality that the last fight is kind of has a couple of bits that are like, oh, that's something, I guess. But I will say the first hour of this movie is genuinely unwatchable it is just a kaleidoscope of shit and it is awful. <laughs> we gotta, you, you you gotta think too if you're just watching godzilla movies okay so you didn't venture out to the cinema to see kong skull island or even if you did kong skull island kind of introduces this concept of monarch but it's just lip service. John Goodman's talking about it, but it's not a, a thing that really has any form to it or or we, like visually we don't know what it is. So you go from like bumbling military in Godzilla 2014 to a few years later, God, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters in 2019. 
And Monarch is this big, monolithic, global military force with just flying like monster spaceships and, and giant facilities all over the place. And you just you go from zero to 60 without any like explanation or thought. It's just like, yeah, we've we've got this this humongous military thing. And just just accept that this is this is what it is. It's the United States with war pl- or you, it's the United Nations with giant warplanes that kill monsters. Well, I mean, monarchy okay, is, sure. is introduced in 2014, the Godzilla 2014 as well, because Dr. Serizawa and fucking Sally Hawkins are uh monarch operatives but they mm-hmm. don't they're just like two scientists who kind of like tag along with the military yeah it's it's not it's not this monolithic force and no. now it's like we open up and it's not only is it this big thing that you have no concept of and you have to kind of almost like work backwards once you're halfway through the movie and start piecing it together but it's the way that they form this super special team it's the most generic shit of all time Every single line that anyone utters for the first 60 minutes of this movie is the most hack bullshit I have ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. Right down to the guy with the glasses, the snarky guy. He's just like, oh, we're going to close the Godzilla window now or you guys just want to do this. Ah, hoo, hoo. You know, chewing on a pencil. If I wish this was like 1988 because he would have been smoking a cigarette. Uh, Lucky Strikes or something rolled up in his sleeve. It's just it's so fucking cliche and cringy and just crushingly boring. So fucking boring. This is a weird movie to me because when I saw it in the theater, I didn't really I was kind of excited for it because, again, this that is a had very to well be movie pass, man. That had to be movie pass. Maybe. I don't remember. But oh, I was man. like, I like Michael Doherty. I thought like Krampus was a really cool movie. He's a lot of practical effects. I was like, oh, what is this going to be like? This might be it was really well marketed again. And I don't know, because it feels like of all of the attempts at making a, an American Godzilla movie, this feels on paper, like it could be a later like show a movie like it, it has the sort of plot and that's not a compliment, but it has the sort of plot that would fit into the later like ropey show of films. And I don't know it. it there's some interesting effects work here. Uh, I want to like it. I, I'm like, OK, this this movie feels like the director wanted to make a Godzilla movie and he kind of knew what that was but somewhere along the line this thing goes tits up big time like it's just like it's not fun to watch at all it's it's awful to look at I mean when I say it's like a kaleidoscope of shit it's like literally it's just magenta and teal colors spinning endlessly and it never stops like the first hour Mm -hmm. is just nausea inducing motion illness just terrible it's like terrible and the the second hour it kind of calms down a little bit but it never looks good this is just an ugly looking film but it's this is just such a bizarre (laughs) film to make like the second godzilla movie you want to do a monster verse and you want to like you know presumably you'd want to build that with some kind of a rhythm and you know pay off like destroy all monsters in the showa series of godzilla movies was like the seventh or eighth godzilla movie it was like the payoff one of like they were gonna make it the last one it's like fine fuck it all the monsters here they are just they're all beating your 
beating the crap out of each other. But like they waited a while. The second movie with Godzilla and they pull out like all of the most famous monsters and just it's just this huge just battle royale. I do not understand why they would blow their load like this so quickly and early. Mm -hmm. Like what the fuck are they going to do later? I mean, sure, we've had Kong versus Godzilla, but what, like, after that, what happens next? Now, if you look at them, like, logically, like, I, I understand there are certain things in the plot that wouldn't add up, but with a few minor changes, if you flipped the order of those two movies, Kong versus, or Godzilla versus Kong and King of the Monsters, it would almost make more sense. Like, yep. I, sure. I, this one feels far more... I mean, in many ways, like, Monarch seems much more prominent and monolithic, like it would be building over time to that, as opposed to the new film, where it's kind of put in the background, which is, is for the best. I yeah, the stakes but, uh, in this one are off the chart compared to the next yeah. one. Yeah. It's right, yeah. This seems like they could have just done Godzilla vs. Kong second, and this would be a more logical follow-up to that, because it's just escalation, escalation. But this is... Yeah, one of those rare movies. I'm not someone who gets effects overload that much, but oh. man, this is up there with like a transform, like a Michael Bay Transformers movie where I'm just like, I can't fucking keep looking at this. Like it is <laughs> just <laughs> killing me to hurt after a while. Can I just say I'm not watching anything with a fucking green screen for a little bit here because it's just like after the Snyder Cut and some other things we've been watching. It's like I just need to see. Like, just a camera and a field of grass. I'll be like, wow. <laughs> you know, like... Nah. You, you gotta do a first cow cleanse. Just kind of <laughs> let, it, let it wash over you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you completely on that one, Myros, about how it, it, it really feels like this should be later in the series because, you know, I, I really... I don't know where you... So you're, you get your fan favorites here. Probably, if you were to rank all the shit that Godzilla fights... Oh, King Ghidorah. Yeah, King Ghidorah's got to be A number one. People love Rodan. People love Mothra. Okay, well, we just got them out of the way. Mothra's got to tell his wife. They don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Unless unless he uh, he comes he comes home late from the bar or something. He's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Mothra will come back, but like... They, they can't bring Rodan back because, like, I don't know. He maybe no, he died. Rodan's fine. You know, I don't know if he's died in this movie. No one knows what happens in this movie. It's impossible <laughs> to he tell. He doesn't die, but, <laughs> but he's a total pussy. Yeah, exactly. He, but, like, I, you can't bring this no stakes. Out, he goes, oh. Yeah, unless, yeah, unless, no unless stakes, they're going to no. do the same thing they did in Kong Skull Island, where they're like, he's still growing, which explains why Kong is now somehow able to fight godzilla in the next movie because yeah like the the, the stakes mm -hmm. in this are insane like literally this ends with like godzilla going like full-on a nuclear explosion and just <laughs> disintegrating fucking everything and then the next movie involves him fighting a gorilla and it's like I don't, <laughs> like okay yeah sure and we talked about it we talked about it earlier but i mean not only does godzilla nuke everything and just kind of like flatten the fucking earth basically but uh he the, he gets powered up because ken watanabe just swims over to godzilla's house <laughs> under the ocean yeah. and then shoves a nuke in like godzilla's face and is like goodbye old friend and then they just he nukes himself and then that like super powers up godzilla and he's he's literally a walking monster nuke bomb trying to fight 
uh, King Ghidorah. Like, I forgot about that. I didn't rewatch this movie, but I forgot it was like fucking. There's like an Atlantis subplot in this guy. Yes, Atlantean subplot. Yeah. Everything's under the water except Hollow Earth for some reason, which is a separate extra <laughs> under the water thing they get to next. Oh, we so. love the Hollow Earth. I was going to say, Steve, that like absolutely the Ken Watanabe plot in this is like, I mean, okay, so the Japanese movies are their own things. The American movies have to do something different, but it is pretty like genuinely distressing, frankly, in a franchise born of a country kind of trying to deal with its, its you know, literally uh, two atomic attacks on their nation hundred thousand people dead generation <laughs> maimed etc that literally a subplot of this is that the world is overpopulated which isn't true but our eco-fascist person says it and it's never challenged in any way in the film uh, so no. she has to unleash this and then a japanese man has to literally sacrifice himself by detonating a nuclear bomb to charge up the monster to save the world it's absolutely, like, <laughs> fucking crazy and really not cool, I guess, would be the best way to put yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, like, if your studio notes are, okay, you know, Ken Watanabe, what if you had him do a kamikaze, but it's good this time? <laughs> and what if he, what if there's a nuke, but, in, but like, he does it? Instead of us doing it to him, you it's know, like just a little Japanese twist on the Godzilla. Are, are, they're taking the nuke back. It's, it's just <laughs> they are. They're taking it's, it back. It's cultural it's, appropriation it's now. when a Japanese person detonates an atomic bomb. That's American culture. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh such my a god! Yeah, this, this, up it's, story it's, it's so fucked. <laughs> so, uh, uh, again, having not rewatched this. Who lives? Doesn't the whole monarch team like good to go? Like uh, we're we're about to go on their further adventures. Watanabe dies, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah. But the others are set up to be like the through whoever line they to the are. Next yeah, film, Kyle right? Chandler. Yeah. I don't even fucking remember who else is in this movie. Like this movie just exits your brain immediately. We have uh, Sally Hawkins is still kicking from the first movie. Uh, Bradley just Whitford. Kicking. We have uh, Thomas Middleditch. All these people are like the fun team who we're going to see. And Millie Bobby Brown, obviously, is, is still around. I think Middleditch is getting various shades of cancelled. So, unfortunately, he, he survived Godzilla, but not, not his own sex life. So, that's, that's a shame. <laughs> Charles Dance also, Dan. as, as the eco-terrorist, carries on into the post-credits, uh, you know, preserving Ghidorah, as I recall. And then... Uh, That's right. So he's the teaser for the next film. All all of these people, uh, sayonara, they don't fuck... <laughs> they're just like, well... well. <laughs> Is that a crack at Watanabe? Come on, man. So what universe um, did we build? None. <laughs> no, that's, there is no universe. And this is the fucking crazy thing, because now, now you take that into Godzilla versus King Kong, and you're like, okay, no, what do we got? No, there's another, there's another King Kong. Don't you remember? There's two King Kongs. What? Right? There's no, there's no other King Kong. What are you talking about? There's no other King Kong. I could have sworn there was another King Kong, because guess what? I didn't even bother. Didn't even look. Didn't even care. Well, you didn't bother no. to watch a movie that doesn't exist. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, yeah. So, there might so just you, probably you, be like a McDonald's commercial tie-in or something, which, <laughs> you know, same difference. But no, there's only Skull Island. That's the only Kong movie thus far. 
Yeah, I mean, there's Peter Jackson's King Kong, but that's totally different. Uh, no, thanks. Ooh, I did rewatch that recently, unrelated, but I just want to say, before we go on to Godzilla versus Kong, because that's what it's called, you know, like King Kong versus Godzilla was supposed to be, you know, uh, King Kong versus Frankenstein, and the guy got fucked over. He got fucked over on the rights, and then Toho somehow acquired the rights and said, fuck this, we're going to make King Kong versus Godzilla. And they put a guy in a fucking gorilla suit. And the guy who did the stop motion for King Kong fought tooth and nail, demanding that RKO pay for the stop motion because he said no to the man in the gorilla suit. So can you imagine (laughs) being alive and seeing some asshole in a gorilla suit and calling it King Kong and being like, no, dude, you sold the rights. You can't do anything about this. And everyone in the world is seeing it. And then you find out all these years later, they even remake the fucking movie. But no guy in a gorilla suit. So, hey, you want some, you lose some. Well, they more remade the uh, concept than the movie. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> they certainly, it certainly does not function as a direct remake of King Kong versus Godzilla. I'll say that. Or a movie, you know, with, you know, basic uh, act structure. It just kind of, we have to stop the act so that we can have a fighting game happen. <laughs> Which is cool. Well, this is this is the movie. This is the movie where the whole concept of a, of a monster verse of a connected universe really starts to fall apart. And for as much as I dog on Marvel, at least they're capable of like constructing this universe. Whereas this, I've I've never seen a movie bend over backwards and strain harder to try to connect itself to to prior films. So essentially what we have here is a kind of continuation of, of Kong Skull Island, except now Monarch has, <laughs> has kind of encased King Kong, okay, and, and the other monsters. They put him in the Truman Show. They put him in the Truman Show, but Kong knows, and he's throwing trees through the Truman Show walls and all this good stuff. So they're trying to get, I can't believe I'm saying this, they're trying to get King Kong to go into the hollow earth, yes. and then Godzilla's mad because they're making a, a robot Godzilla, and this is going on that we don't know what's going on. Yes. It's very confusing. Steve, but throughout all alphas. of this, you see, yeah, you can only have one alpha. drink the whiskey Everyone knows that. because his wife... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Were you talking about a different movie? Because I was talking about the guy who doesn't drink the whiskey. You were talking about some monster stuff. I don't know. We're, we're talking about different movies, right? Because <laughs> that's just it. Like, there was like four or five movies happening at once. And none of them are good. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm trying to get to here. Is you have, you have this main plot line that is very clear. There's a clear through line. It's goofy. It's ropey. It's all over the place. But like there's there's characters that are driving the action in this movie. And then the side the aside to that is on the other end of the world, for some reason. And the only reason I can think of is contractual obligation and and the the perseverance of this monster verse. You have Millie Bobby Brown's character from the, the prior movie who is. Now listening to like an Alex Jones podcast and then she finds Alex Jones mm. and then her and Alex Jones and her friend who's who's the kid from the hunt for the wilder people that I, I don't even know what they do. They break into to a like a, a, a robot monarch factory something. No, it's not related to monarch. It's related to uh, <laughs> Apex apex i'm sorry my mistake God, so they, they break into this thing so she's she's with she's with alex jones they break in 
And it gets all the way through to the end. And you think, okay, we've been following them around and they're like, you know, bumbling conspiracy theory, fun comedy sideshow. And it's going to have some sort of implication <laughs> in this final fight. It does. This final thing that has, it barely does. He pours the Literally, whiskey. it leads to a point where we figure out the only way to stop Mecha Godzilla is to pour Alex Jones's <laughs> whiskey on a computer. So all of this, you could completely, 100% remove the entire <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown subplot. You could cut it out whole cloth, and it wouldn't be hard because it's not connected to anything else. Just cut it out like a fucking tumor. And this movie, the only thing that changes is it's 25 minutes shorter. Nothing else. It's, it's nuts. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it's the, it's not the most nuts thing about this movie to me. The most nuts thing is what's not here, and that is... Everything they fucking established. I mean, whether it was successful or not, they just, it's gone. Like, it'd be like if Marvel made Avengers and it just had like four characters in it and everything else was just like, ah, forget about it. You're right. You're correct. But I do want to open up the floor to a question, if I may. What did you want? Because I knew what I wanted going into this movie. I actually thought about it a little bit. Do you guys know what you wanted? Because I was looking at the poster. And I saw that Kong was going to punch Godzilla in the fucking face. And I thought, I want to see that punch connect. I don't want to see it cut away. I don't want to see some stupid, you know, underwater shot where I hear the reaction or anything. I want to see that exact scene. It can't just be on the poster. I want to see it in the fucking movie. And they did it. They delivered. He's on the ship. They look at each other. They growl. And he punches him in the fucking face. Well, that's that's where this movie succeeds, I yeah. think, because as as dumb as as all the, the, the side plot, subplot nonsense is, as far as the actual monster fight scenes in within the monster verse, oh, they're great. This nails it like it gets it gets the idea of of scale and of, of what a giant action set piece should look like. And he just, he's like, okay, I'm going to give King Kong a fucking powered up axe that he can wield to fight Godzilla. Sure, why not? When I first saw the axe, I was like, oh, come on. And then I remember that in the original Godzilla versus Kong, at one point, they just strap a bunch of balloons to King Kong and float him somewhere. I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Have your magic axe. It's all right. I, yeah, I got to say, at that point in the movie, I was just like, what is this? script like we're just we go into the hollow earth and there's like a giant <laughs> fucking king kong temple and he finds a king kong power axe and apparently that's attached to the uh mystic hollow earth power source that is needed to power mechagodzilla but the guy doesn't need the power source now that he's he's just has like a genetic sample of this uh, mineral he can immediately reproduce it on a massive scale and, and i'm like but geez you should use that technology to better the earth my friend i want to touch on that for a second no. but but two things there are some remake elements there are literal um action sequences that i recognized um one of my favorite sequences in uh the original king kong versus godzilla is where kong just picks up a fucking tree and shoves it down godzilla's throat and is like fuck you like, just fuck you. Fuck your fucking mouth with this goddamn tree. And yes, he does hit him with an axe a couple of times, but he actually uses the blunt head and just shoves it in his fucking throat. And it's so awesome. Like, you have HBO Max. Just fast forward to that shit. 
if there's a human on the screen, which way too often, it's a human that's just looking out a green screen concerned and then cutting to a little girl that's also concerned. <laughs> Did I mention there's a little girl that's the last of her kind? Did I mention oh, the fact deaf, that they... too. I was deaf with these fucking big movies. Jeez. Uh, oh, it, yeah. When, yeah. We talk, oh. when we talk about genocide, that is the, the greatest genocide of all. They genocide the entire population of Skull Island, the entire human population mm. in a single line of dialogue. Just to get rid of them. There's like oh, there yeah. a storm, it's, everyone it's died. It's genocide as an aside. It's yeah. just... Right, so yeah, far as so I can all tell, the entire died. animal population of Skull Island, too. None of those beasties are returning. It's just fucking King no. Kong standing alone on an island. Well, with a- Apex, has, Apex has the skull crawlers somewhere. They're growing them. So they got a sample from, from them. But yeah, maybe they don't live in... Not indigenous to Skull Island anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, that, you know, my takeaway of this movie is... It stops and it starts for sure, but I'm I am on board with it. It's not as good as Skull mm-hmm. Island because it does stop and start and just kind of judder around. But the spectacle when it does hit is fantastic, and I really wish HBO Max was better at fast forwarding because it fucking sucks yeah. in my TV at least. Because uh, you have to for- fast forward <laughs> second by second. It literally takes like 15 minutes, I'm not joking, or like 10 minutes to fast forward like an hour and a half into a movie on HBO Max app. It does. And and trying to fast forward with your thumb is awful. When you try and if it's on your phone and you try and use your finger, on Android at least, it will only move to about uh, 30 to 40 seconds. It, it takes like a, a bizarre amount yeah. of time for it to register your finger while you're trying to drag it. It's like, no, slow down. Slow down. And I'm trying to scan through an episode of Larry David. I'm not like watching like 4K whatever. This is a 480p show, motherfucker. HBO Max, come on. Yeah, no, it's it's... A- Kind of shitty. Like, it's like, we're running it in 4K. And it's like, that's cool. But, like, just run faster. I want to get somewhere here. Um, yeah. But, anyway, I only found that out because someone no, said that. Run a 4X, I, man. Yeah, so, someone, t- someone pointed out, like, Godzilla 2014 is not, like, you know, super pro-military. And I had to fast forward through the entire thing just so I could take a photograph of two screens worth of thanking the State Department for, like, full cooperation. <laughs> But anyway, uh, but yeah, what I will say, I really, I really like the special effects work on this one, the the visual effects, because what I think they really capture, which I just thought was really fun, is that Godzilla is obviously a huge CGI cutting edge design in this, but he still kind of moves a little bit like there's a guy in there. There's yep. this kind of a li- there's a little mm-hmm. kind of a goofiness to the movement, and it's this is something I think that you know. It's strange because we all we, like we often shit on CGI, fully CGI f- effects for like really sucking, and really they suck because just the imagination behind them. It's mostly because they're being farmed out at this point. The directors aren't even looking at them. You know, it's it's being done by just a legion of guys who just have a deadline to do. You know, but like this this <laughs> reminded me a little bit of like you know Verhoeven Starship Troopers or something like that, where the visual effects clearly have been designed very carefully to kind of like. Mm-hmm you know, evoke a certain feeling. And this so there, there's this kind of really great melding in the final battle of a kind of an old school, new school kind of effects. Yeah, it's it's really great. In terms of spectacle, the final fight is certainly the high point of the monster verse so far. It's oh, pretty absolutely. great. Now, admittedly, some people are pointing out that they're like trashing Hong Kong in a movie that was heavily funded by China. 
Uh, but I don't know. Politically, <laughs> I don't really know what to do with those ramifications in the movie. I mean, we've already had crazy shit and like with the Japanese guy detonating a bomb. It's probably just best to not think <laughs> about it at this point. So, but yeah, it's it's really great. That last fight makes it worthwhile to me. That that was there's joy in that last sequence. I'll take it. Oh, for sure. Are you sure, sure you weren't just reading the Communist Party's plans? Because they were like, how do we unleash a monster onto fucking Hong Kong? And then we'll, just take, we'll come over there later and we'll take it over perfectly. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still, it's an evil corporation. Because then they spin back. And I mean, the bad guy in this is an evil corporation, which is, you know, Why? kind of like a, your standard fallback American thing of like, you know, corporations are good. But yeah. what if one corporation was bad? We'd have to stop them. And <laughs> thankfully we do. And that's the yeah. same thing over and over again. Uh, R.I.P. Naughty Elon Musk, who is oh. introduced to us as a guy who just like drinks whiskey uh, and he's got like two scenes of chewing scenery and then just unceremoniously gets fucking blasted. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. what this movie does well, I suppose. It's just kind of like, fuck everything. I, I mean, as as the culmination of a franchise, it's an embarrassing failure and it is barely mm. a fucking movie at all. But yeah. as like a singular enterprise, it's kind of okay. Just because they're just like, fuck all of this. That's not working. Uh, make King Kong the main character. And we don't need human characters. It's just King Kong's <laughs> the protagonist. It's like, okay. I have a cynical theory for you that is really depressing, but I really do believe this to some extent. Because I understand the 2014 Godzilla was supposed to be a short film for IMAX in 3D. That was the plan. And somehow the rights got fucked up because they just said, we're not making a Godzilla film for 10 years. And then Shin Godzilla didn't have it till later. Whatever. The, the, the point being that like the Godzilla franchise was supposed to be on ice. <laughs> and the Americans were going to resurrect it. And the Japanese hated this franchise. Like hated the way Godzilla looked. And I think this most recent iteration does justice to both of the characters. And this is what I'm talking about with the, the idea of cynicism. I think some fans literally took over a Hollywood production and realized we have to make the movie two hours, otherwise we can't make our 40-minute monster movie. <laughs> like, they're expecting you with the fans at home to do exactly what we will do the next time we ever see this, if we ever see it again. And that's fast, through, fast forward through the boring shit and just go to the monsters because the humans don't matter. Like, I've watched it mm -hmm. like that. It's just, it works fine. You don't need to care about the humans at all. You can watch this movie on mute. I mean, until, like, they start roaring. The roaring scene, especially, is brilliant because it's just showing how, like, Godzilla and King Kong are equals in spirit, even if they can't be equals in, like, might. And I love that. That's a great way of displaying <laughs> I mean, I really did feel good when I, when I, I finished watching this. Wait, why do the... Why do the Japanese hate the design of Godzilla? Like, I can think of about a million yeah, different like reasons. Godzilla. Oh, he's fast. Oh, he's fast. Yeah, he looks like he's, he's and he's still got. I mean, I guess he's got kind of like a dump truck ass, but he's I don't always think that's had a, a problem. fucking dump truck. Yeah, ass. That, there's a man has to fit in him, and they like that's why he looks like this in the new one because there's still room for a man in there if they need this, which they totally do <laughs> they in the next it, one. In. Honestly, I would I would regain all respect for this franchise if in the next movie Godzilla's a man in a suit. They should absolutely do that. I don't see any reason why not. I got a lot of complaints about the, these movies, but one of them is not the, the way that Godzilla looks. Hell, the way they realize no. most no, of the I think monsters. Design's like awesome. Fucking Ghidorah looks cool as shit in, the, in King of yes. the Monsters. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, everything else sucks yeah. ass. 
Yeah, Ghidorah is like the shittiest Showa era monster because he just looks like a morbidly obese, no arm <laughs> motherfucker. Like he's the least threatening <laughs> because creature the three in heads, the world. The two outside heads are just arms, so the, the costume has no place for actual <laughs> arms, and it just looks goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, I want to tie it back. This is why that Frankenstein movie fucking rules because the, the people can actually move around like fucking people and have fights like fucking people because they're just human beings and like just with a little bit of mud on themselves and they're knocking over houses. It looks pretty good. <laughs> I'm defending the Frank. Was that even, was that off my conversation or on mic? I'm not sure, but go watch. Oh, when you're talking about the, the Frankenstein versus Godzilla? Nope, no. <laughs> I'm talking about what? Frankenstein, uh, whatever, strikes again, rides again. Conquers the world, I believe. <laughs> Frankenstein conquers yeah. the world. I should one. know that like, because that's a Wizzy Wellis song, but whatever. <laughs> So I, I guess to, to wrap this up, because we got, we got to close things out pretty soon. Uh, we, we mentioned that Godzilla, they basically exhausted all of the good characters at this point. So we might as well go in the opposite direction. Uh, what is the absolute worst Godzilla character? So we'll, we'll, we'll do we'll do Godzilla. We'll do we'll do putovers. But I also need to know what is the worst Godzilla character? So. Uh, Jack, I will have you go for it. Who's who's the worst in the Godzilla universe? I mean, everyone knows it's what what's the name Minari or whatever the baby Godzilla. Damn it! Like, um, so it's like uh, Daniel, yeah. Dad Godzilla. Is Minya. it Minilla? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Or Minilla, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, him. Yeah. They should do that. They just saddle God with or Godzilla with a kid. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Was it? Was it? Is is that the? I mean, in the cartoon version, I know they called him Godzuki, which I think is even more insulting. And then he blows like little puffs of smoke. Godzuki's a different character, like a different design and everything. It, it, that's a Hanna Barbera original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did you watch Cartoon he Network? Blows, he blows like bubbles or something. Yeah, yeah. No. No. In in the other one, in like Son of Godzilla or whatever, it's just like he's literally just like a little ET looking motherfucker who like shoots a little like he can't do a heat ray, so he just shoots like little smoke rings. And he just he just walks around the place and gets in trouble, and Godzilla has to bail him out. It's actually kind of endearing, just as like yeah. Godzilla. And you like at every point, you're just like Godzilla. Just looks like oh, for fuck's sake! Like it's you just really movie. get a sense of yeah. You know, they should do that. That should be the next one. It should be just Godzilla trying to mm-hmm. trying to keep his kid out of trouble while the world falls apart. Miles, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? What's uh, home from school? What's, it's been rough. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think that I would probably go with Orga, which is the, uh, the kaiju in Godzilla 2000 that just kind of looks like a ball of bad CGI mercury. Uh, hmm. yeah, that movie is kind of the nadir of the UFO plots for me. It's just kind of like space aliens again after the 10,000th movie with space aliens where they just, uh show up and, and throw some mercury at Godzilla and it, it takes in some of his <laughs> DNA and, and becomes a big monster and it's really shitty. Obviously. Yeah. That's, that absolutely sucks. Uh, Colin, how about you? Who's, who's the worst? That'd be the Mudos. The Mudos from 2014 because they could have been cool as background monsters, but they tried to make them the main thing and that was a big mistake. Also, Charizard... I know where you're cribbing from. Knock it off. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> it would take some balls to bring the Mutos back. I, that would be that would almost be like oh. a power move. Just like, look, we all know no one likes them. Here they are again. <laughs> <laughs> 
one would have assumed Colin's answer would have been Frankenstein since he seems very interested in kaiju Frankenstein. <laughs> I am because the concept art is intriguing and the fact that there was going to be this weird stop motion thing made of different bodies and strings sounds really interesting to me. Unfortunately, we never got it. What am I putting over this week besides the fact that King Kong vs. Godzilla, as bad of a movie as it is, does have animals looking directly into the camera and expressing emotion and the audience understands what the fuck they're expressing. So kudos to the visual team because that's really brave. <laughs> and secondly, uh, it's got to be uh, Kylie Minogue. I can't get enough of this girl. She's, she put out that album last year uh, called Disco and I think it's so fucking good. I listen to it all the time. But I got to say my favorite Kylie Minogue song currently is Real Groove, Real Groove, but it's the Studio 2054 Initial Talk remix featuring uh, Dua Lupa. Really good. Ladies, if you want a candy flip with Colin, he's available. You could rave at his house. You got you to gotta show your Vax card first. If you like, if you like late <laughs> 80s Janet Jackson, you'll like this shit. It's good. Uh, yeah, I guess we should do the other putovers then. So, uh, Jack, you got anything else you're putting over this week? I'm going to put over uh, Godzilla 1998. Uh, if you want to free up two yeah. hours, <laughs> 20 minutes of your life for some reason, put that Come on ahead. and you'll get stuff done around the house because you are not going to sit in front of your television. <laughs> it's a classic beautiful beautiful Myers what are you putting over this uh, week well I did go to the trouble of watching Pacific Rim as part of this endeavor and uh, I gotta say holds up pretty well I, I, I'd say it's probably the best uh, crack at an American kaiju film I think it uh, it's not it's not some amazing piece of work but it is uh, yeah basically just one of these big dumb uh, mech animes uh, made into a, a feature film and it, it's oh, yeah. fun so yeah mm -hmm. it's up there with like kong skull island on, on the level of yeah munch your popcorn and enjoy this fucking thing because it's actually a movie made with some thought and uh has fun with this concept yeah no that's good shit uh well for me my put over is actually uh, i'm putting over the movie and i'm also gonna say worst godzilla character uh, 1994 is the year, and what are you watching? Uh, probably not, oh, but maybe Space you're watching Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I, I, we, we kind of we dog on the monster verse here, but uh, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is some <laughs> real dumb shit. So keep in mind, like, when we talk about how dumb these movies are, that's not necessarily an insult, but uh, this one is, uh, I mean, Space Godzilla himself, I think it's like he just has some of Godzilla's DNA in him, <laughs> and the only functional difference between him and Godzilla is he's got like a like a crystal bolted to his shoulder or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, uh, Godzilla DNA and other monsters, we must assume that Godzilla fucks. Oh, he fucks for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, also, I think that would give you a, a good look at just that era of Godzilla, which in and of itself is uh, a, a real oddity. It's something. Not a, not a lot of people are talking about those. So if you want to dig into some weird-ass Godzilla shit, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, it'll, it'll blow your mind in maybe a bad way, but maybe a good way. Who knows? Anyways. One more shout-out. If you enjoyed the show today, you have another shout-out, One more shout-out. I want to shout-out the nameless legendary films intern that clearly did the Wikipedia because there's no way in hell anyone would know that the fucking axe is made from one of the Dorful fins from the previous generation of Godzillas 
which has been battling with the Kongs and the fact that they can be at peace because Kong will live in the inner world while Godzilla will take care of the outer world. And that's why the two alphas can coexist. <laughs> Makes no fucking sense. Thank you, Wittern. You explained the movie to me. <laughs> This is this this is all this is all better. See, and I thought I thought Jack was going to be the Hollow Earth expert because I think like real ass like weird dudes who like Alex Jones people who love Hollow Earth. I'm pretty sure that the the gate to Hollow Earth is in Ireland. Is that not correct? Yes, I believe that's Hellboy Two. You're thinking of um, where they they go <laughs> underneath a rock to another world. I am I am like almost a hundred percent correct that there's there's something in. Ireland somewhere that's literally called like it's not just in Hellboy 2 but I think it's like an actual place that's called like the Hell Cave and then people thought that it would take them to oh, the, yeah, the probably. middle I of mean, the, geez, the Hollow they Earth. didn't have much to do back then you had to have a Hell Cave yeah something to send people <laughs> gotta have to. a Hell Cave that's great it's you know, the be- beautiful green island but the sun's never out Jack come on it's well, yeah, we're, we're the sun's in the sun is in Hollow Earth at the time lighting that place up beautifully <laughs> it makes no sense <laughs> When is it night there? That's, that makes perfect sense. What happens? This, this explains both Ireland and Hollow Earth. So that thank you for tying that together. Uh, a quick update: we do have uh, something called the Crua uh, Chan, also known as Ireland's Gate to Hell, a mythical and ancient cave from which, according to legend, strange yep. creatures would emerge and be seen at the surface of the earth. I thought that was just England. That's right. This is uh, well, located yeah. on Station Island. No. Oh. No I, one who there. fucking knows. Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Well, uh, if you if you enjoyed the podcast today, do us a big favor. There's a couple of links in the description. Uh, one of those will take you to our iTunes page. You can leave us a five-star written review. That'll help with the uh, evil algorithm that we must battle against. Uh, also, if you click the other link, that'll take you to our Patreon page, and you can become a patron of Optimism Vaccine. And what beautiful award, rewards does that give you? Well... Uh, for just $3, you can gain access to a whole host of uh, old Optimism Vaccine content as well as brand new exclusive content that you can only get on Patreon. Uh, also, I'm, I'm mailing off uh, movies this week. So if you're, if you're a Patreon subscriber, guess what? You're going to get a fucking package in the mail from me. How's that sound? How weird is that? Me mailing you stuff. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get something, though. I got a, I got a co- copy of Vinegar Syndrome's Let My Puppets Come. Maybe I'll mail that to Jake's mom. Who knows? We don't know. Probably not. I respect her too much. Uh, but I know a few other people who might be getting that. So, yeah, if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, uh, throw us a couple bucks, and I'll send you a movie in the mail. That's cool. It's like, it's like you're paying $3 for a random movie. It's the excitement that you need. You've been cooped up for a whole year, buddy. Come on. Anyways, uh, aside from that, you can tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. And, uh, yeah, you could email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myros, always standing by, always hitting the refresh button, always ready for your, your questions and comments. So <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if you enjoyed Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, uh, which I'm sure you're going to be watching this week. Uh, with that, I guess, you know what? Jake's not here. So, uh, Myros, do you want the last word? No. Perfect. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!